Welcome along to episode 751 of the Mill Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Honey Lancaster James lets us know how a changing career may help the work-life balance for working parents. We'll be having an at with Neil Foster or about the Horrible Histories Christmas show, which is in Birmingham in December. Well worth getting yourself along for that one. We'll also be talking to Ian McIntosh. He is playing Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar at the Grand Theatre this week. Finding out what's going on with him. And we'll be talking to Louis Stovin all about the Codswell Christmas Fair. That's on the way on the show this week. Welcome to the Milk Bar. 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 On the 28th of December at Symphony Hall in Birmingham, there'll be some horrible histories. To tell us more, Neil Foster. How are you doing, sir? Hello, lovely to talk to you. Good to talk to you too. And when it comes down to uh, uh, getting kids educated on the uh, times gone by, there's nothing like the gory stuff to get them gripped, is there? No, uh, that was the great genius of Terry Deary who created uh, the whole Horrible History series. He wrote all the books. Uh, About 18 years ago, we started doing the plays. Then, of course, came the great TV series. And uh, but it's all inspired by Terry's fabulous idea of making history fun by concentrating on the gory and the gruesome and the naughty and the rude and the silly. And um, and that's what makes horrible history so successful. And this is going to be an absolutely fantastic pre- uh, the Christmas present for a load of kids out there. Uh, they get to go along and there's two performances at Symphony Hall. Uh, so tell us a, a bit about your involvement in all of this. Well, I am the director of the show, but also because I'm an actor manager in the old style of how things used to be done. Uh, I'm also in the show, so I get the chance to act with my fellow actors in this great story. It's it's untypical of a lot of our horrible history shows because it's actually quite moving. It's it's really a story about a family uh, and and uh, about how people come together at Christmas. But at the same time, it tells you how Christmas came to be what it is today. So we go back to the pivotal moments that the May Christmas, how we celebrate it today. So we go back and um, we see Charles Dickens writing A Christmas Carol. Uh, we meet Oliver Cromwell, who obviously banned Christmas altogether. Mm-hmm. And we meet Henry VIII, who really enjoyed a turkey. More than one turkey for Henry VIII. Yes, you're right. Probably did eat a little bit more than one. And then we even go back to Bethlehem itself. So we we really go through the entire story of Christmas in a really fun and uh, interesting way. And, um, and it works incredibly well. And so it, it's going to be some of the thought provoking, uh, but also it, it's a sort of a feeder on for more horrible histories as well, isn't it? Once the kids have got involved in one, they're going to want to see more. Well, that's the idea. What we really hope is that um, with all the facts and and characters you're going to meet in Horrible Christmas, that you'll uh, you know not only have lots to talk about on your way home, uh, but that you'll go home and get on that the old internet or pick up a book and and want to know more about. Oliver Cromwell or Charles II or Henry VIII and uh, more about Christmas. Um, and and that's that's the inspiration behind it all, that we just get everybody interested in things that happened in the past and how they affect us today. Because we only do things today most of the time because of something that happened yesterday or 100 years ago. And, and then- um, that's that's the secret of it. And then this is going to be good for actually everybody in the family as well. Uh, parents, kids, aunts, uncles, they're all going to get something from this uh, in, in in their own way as well. And there's, there's probably lots of things that you probably picked up when you picked up the script and you went, really? Yes. I mean, I knew that Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas. I knew the Puritans, you know, weren't really the, the most fun people you could hang out with. <laughs> I didn't realise, horror of horrors, that... 
they banned mince pies. No. I mean, you know, ban Christmas if you like, but you know, lay off, keep your hands off my mince pies. I think so. Uh, that was that was my that was a shock horror <laughs> of, of uh, reading some of the facts. But there are lots of wonderful facts and and stories in in the show that are all sort of equally amazing that you you just don't think about. And with the fact that you you're bringing the likes of Oliver Cromwell to life on stage, uh, I get I think that it, it shows an interaction. It makes these people from history real people, doesn't it? Yes, that's that's the great joy of doing a theatre show. Um, is that it's one thing to read it in the book, but when you actually when you actually meet Henry VIII on stage uh, and you get to see one of his wives, in this case, it's Catherine Howard, mm-hmm. or Catherine Howard, who also sort of didn't last too long in Henry's life. Um, it's a whole different thing, and and because the show is very interactive, there's lots of songs and lots of things that we do with the audience, um, and they join in. Uh, it's great fun because these hor- historical characters from years gone past come to life. Well, uh, would, would Oliver Cromwell have approved of a musical number? No, he absolutely wouldn't. But that's that's something we actually enjoy in our show. That um, Oliver Cromwell, who hates, uh, you know, who's actually banned dancing and singing, uh, suddenly somehow ends up dancing and singing. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. If if he's if his descendants have got tickets for the show, they're going to be surprised. But yeah, but I, I, the, the, there could be uh, uh, some some repercussions there, particularly if there's a grave with someone spinning around in it quite rapidly. That could cause a problem. <laughs> but, uh, the, the magic of our horrible histories brought to life with horrible Christmas. Uh, it's all going on, as we say, in Birmingham on the 28th of December at two o'clock and a 4.30. Tickets at 18.50. Bmusic.co.uk to get those tickets. And uh, we can see your, you and your team doing their thing on stage. And it must be fun directing it as well, because you're kind of, yeah, having your impact and moving around the likes of Henry VIII and, and make him jump to your tune. Yes, well, it's it's good to be the boss, you know. So it means that I can be I can be a ruthless uh, king like Henry on stage, and then off stage I can be a ruthless uh, in charge dictator off stage. Uh, but actually, the the group of actors we've got in the show, we've sort of because we've been doing it for so long, we've become almost like a family. So it's almost like a great family get together every Christmas when we come and and do the production. Um, some of the actors who are in it, uh, were in the very first horrible history show back 18 years ago in 2005 so it's uh it's not only fun for us on stage it, it's fun in every way and that really i think that becomes very infectious and the audience really enjoy the fact that we're having such a good time as well absolutely well worth getting along to uh, get your tickets now and enjoy that over in brum at symphony hall on the 20th of december neil foster thank you for joining us thank you very much From the 14th through to the 18th of November, Jesus Christ Superstar is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Jesus Christ himself is played by Ian McIntosh, who joins me now. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Well, good to talk to you. And obviously a massive show and not quite as we'll have seen it before. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is a, a reimagined, a reimagined rethinking of the of the nineteen seventies uh, version of Andrew Webber musical uh, with Tim Rice, and um, it's uh, been reimagined. It's modern. It's a modern sort of uh, reimagination, reimagining of the of the show. And I think we've been on the road now for about seven, eight weeks, and I think it's been surprising people and and the audiences. And I think they've really enjoyed it. You know. 
And the, the, the songs are amazing. And it's it's one of those shows where you, you know people will probably have seen it if they're regular musical theatre goers uh, from the stable of, of, of Rice and Lloyd Webber. It is yeah, pretty much a, a staple of, of musical theatre. It has been done by uh, Amdram groups uh, across the years as well. So this is a, a, a glorious refreshing bringing to life uh, some new ideas and an imagining of the the look. But the, the sound, is that still the same? Would we get every song we know and as it performed in its usual yeah. style yeah i mean i mean every every song i mean what we've tried to do is that you know over time since like the 1970s it's sort of a um it was a concept album originally mm-hmm. it was a concept album and, and which means there was no score it wasn't like it was written out as a scored album and then they they decided basically they put they got together in a studio and they created this album basically and then from that came the score so you know from that came the score and there's been lots of kind of manipulation to that over the years but what we did with our show is we took it back to the 1970s kind of vibe um like we say we use handheld microphones on stage and that's all cleverly worked into our choreography uh, and stage uh you know or, or our direction um and and that's all cleverly sort of maneuvered in there and uh, I play guitar in the show as a, as playing Jesus. I, I play guitar for some of some of Gethsemane, um, which surprises a lot of people. But it works within the the idea that we've got that you know Jesus Christ superstar isn't just you know a, a floating out there character. Mm-hmm. He's a real you know in our show he's a real uh, he's a, a lead singer of a band. He's an idol you know and uh, and he gives it all up and no one knows why you know. But it's because he knows why because he had a you know he's been told to by God or the band manager, whoever you want to choose. So I had a different take on it, but uh, it's still the, the same sort of story. And as you already saw, I mean, it's been well received by audiences. And uh, I mean, this production itself was done in the open air in London back in 2017 and won awards then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was massive. It was massive in London. I was working on, I think, Beautiful, the Carol King musical in London at the time when it was on. So I didn't get to see it because of, you know, it's the unfortunate thing when you work in the industry and you are working is that you don't get to see, you know, the amazing shows that are on. And um, but it was on, you know, it won, it won uh, Olivier Awards, you know, some it won some Olivier Awards and, and um, it was it was huge. So when it when the opportunity came up to be in this version of it, which is kind of like a hybrid version of the Regent's Park London version, the Barbican version in London and the American US tour. So we've taken from all three of those and added our own uh, stuff to it. And so it's a sort of amalgamation of all four of those. Um, yeah, and it's, it, it's it's really cool. And the audiences, I mean, you were, you were saying about the audiences liking it. I've never experienced anything quite like this as uh, by, by an audience. And I think it's different. Uh, it's a different kind of show that people would come and see in, in the regions. You know, I've been in We Will Rock You. I've been in uh, The Commitments. I've been in shows that end with a megamix, not with a crucifixion, mm-hmm. you know? And but the the differences between all of them is with Jesus Christ Superstar is every single night there's always um, a standing ovation like this show does something to people, um, whether they you know whether they've seen it before or whether they've seen it hundreds of times which we do get that we do get a lot of people who say oh, I've seen it fifty times over the last fifty years you know and um, and this is this is up there with the best you know and and. I had a message from uh, I had a message from a family that were driving home once on Instagram, and they said, "I'm here with my mum, my brother, and my dad, and we're sat here stunned in silence. We can't believe what we've just seen." Mm-hmm. And um, and that feels good that you do that to people. And they didn't say it was a bad thing. It was like <laughs> something something happened that was good for them, you know. And 
that's nice to be in a show like that, you know, and to, <laughs> and, and to move people. And the story that it tells, obviously, uh, is a is a mirror of, of of one which is deep rooted in so many people's beliefs as well. And it's interesting to see a, a different take on that. That mm-hmm. uh, it, it it doesn't cause offence. It it is part of you know bringing a story to to life in this day and age. And it's you know stories are in in the Bible were told for their audience at the time. And and this is what's happening here. You're telling this story in a way in which it it can be met and is approachable to the audience we have today. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and you know, I think that's what's great about what Andrew and Tim Rice did with this. And you know, is they made it accessible. They made a story that was sort of fading in a way. Like, you know, I, I personally don't come from a religious background. I don't, um we were there was no there was no God, no Christianity or or any of that, you know. Um and you know had i watched this when i was younger i would have been intrigued you know and i think that's what they've um that's what they've done is they've they've been able to link or bridge bridge a gap in some areas of of, of that whether that's their right whether that's what they wanted to do or whether it did it does do that um and i think people who are you know religious i mean there was there was some back in the day when it got released there was lots of there was a, a sort of offense in a way because there wasn't in the score a resurrection and that was a problem you know for them is that you know you can't have uh, jesus or you know dying for nothing you know that's the idea it's for nothing the idea is that you will be resurrected on the other side or you will be gifted w- w- whatever on the other side and um yeah, and that's and so that caused offence, and it also caused offence that Judas was. Um, people had empathy for Judas, you know. That was something that you know um, that people had. But I think over time, we, we've not had any protests on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not any protests on this one. But but you know, it really does. It, it brings a story that is can be quite out there and and metaphoric, and brings it into real times, uh, like a real. A story that you can watch on stage and understand and and it helps you understand the deeper meaning of the original story if that mm-hmm. makes sense and all that with some amazing music thrown in for good measure and jesus oh, playing yeah. guitar yeah yeah absolutely i mean i mean the, the the songs i think a lot of people are surprised about how many of the songs they know you know because it was around the time you know the 70s and i wasn't born uh, around the 70s or the uh, all the early 80s um yeah I'm, i was born in 88 and the but songs like uh, like memory was in the charts, and I don't know how to love him from from Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know how to love him was in the charts, you know. And 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 then there's songs like um, you know, heaven on their mind. You know, there's the the the, night, the song Jesus Christ Superstar, which everybody people are surprised how many of the songs they know from within the show because it's been around for fifty years, and it's mm-hmm. so somewhere or other they've trickled in somewhere. You know, <laughs> well, it's uh, one week only at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Your chance to see this amazing new production and be, as we've already heard, stunned at what you will see and be amazed at the quality of the performances. I know it's going to be amazing. Break a leg and uh, have a, a brilliant time down there. 01902 429212 is a box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk. Grab your tickets that way. But it is going to be absolutely, truly amazing when Jesus Christ Superstar is at the Grand from the 14th through to the 18th of November. Ian, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All the best. Now, on Friday, the 1st of December, Christmas magic will once more descend upon Codsell. The amazing Christmas fair will be there. Louis Stovin is here to tell me more about it. How are you doing, sir? Hello, Jason. How are you today? 
Uh, all good, and it's always good to talk to you, particularly because we're slightly uh, feeling festive, and it's uh, it's not far off now, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever before. Oh, absolutely. We've got just a, a gender a month to go. Um, and really, after last year's massive turnout, I didn't think we could better it, but really we can. This year is going to be an absolute cracker. I mean, normally we start taking bookings for stalls in about August, but this year our first booking was in January, would you believe? <laughs> That's good going. <laughs> People are absolutely chomping at the bit to come back to Codsell Christmas Fair. And we've had a steady stream of bookings ever since. We normally made a provision for about 50 stalls. We're already at 52. We've had to make extra space. We're reckoning on over 60 this year. And it's all um, part of yeah people coming together to enjoy not only the extra stalls, but you've got the uh, the pubs and restaurants that will be open, uh, live music, not only in the square, but also absolutely. in venues. And, of course, uh, you've got the, the atmosphere, which is just absolutely lovely. Whatever the weather, and we've been lucky in recent years, it is just a fantastic place to visit. You know, actually, the weather doesn't often play a part in it. It's such a good place to be. It's such fun. It's so exciting. I don't mind if it's cold. I don't want it to rain. No. But cold is fine. We can do cold. We can do snow. We can even do a slight bit of wind. Um, but but rain is bad news. But but we have been lucky. But people just don't bother. It's such a good atmosphere. Everybody just keeps on coming and keeps on coming. We used to wreck meet out a couple of thousand visitors. Last year it was over 4,000. And it was absolutely alive with excitement and activity. Yep. And as the the live music is a big part of making all that happen. And uh, not only have you got some favourites from uh, years gone by, but some brand new acts this year too. Absolutely. I mean, there are two bands which we've had the last two years, which is the uh, the Lemon Twists, who are a um, covers band, uh, but they play almost anything. And we've had the incredibly entertaining uh, ukulele band. And to hear people of, of my sort of age, and I'm no youngster, but playing heavy metal on ukuleles is something to behold, it really is. This year, we've added another one, though. We've we've introduced um, a, a Jamaican steel band mm-hmm. to the proceedings this year, which will add another dimension to it as well. So we've got three live bands this year. And, of course, we've also got our entertainers. We have our lunatic Steve Chaos, who is an incredibly entertaining guy, juggling while standing on a one-wheel bike 10 feet in the air. He's quite remarkable. How he does it, I do not know. The kids absolutely love him. He's so entertaining. But also this year, we have got a fire eater. It's a young lady who does amazing things with fire, um, well protected, of course, by the marshals. Uh, we need to. We don't want to take any risks. No. But she should be and add another dimension to the event this year. So it should be really, really good fun. You'll be able to see the glow for miles around. That's <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a great event to be part of, and uh, say so it's enjoyable uh, just to come down, enjoy a, a mulled wine, and uh, have fun visiting uh, the the venues in the uh, in, in the village centre. But I mean, everyone gets involved, don't they? Absolutely. This is the whole essence of Codshall Christmas Fair. This isn't a commercial enterprise. This is the community coming together to provide fun and entertainment for anybody and everybody that wants to be part of it. I mean, we we reckon if we take the small stallholders and the entertainers and our little group and the marshal, there's probably two or three hundred people actually involved in making this happen. And that's a community coming together at its absolute best. 
the, the pubs are involved, the shops are involved, the businesses are involved, everybody's involved, and it's damn good fun as well. And, of course, the other thing, there'll be an awful lot of food this year. Um, we normally like to have two or three hot food stalls. This year, I am assured, we have 11 hot food stalls, in, and we have German hot dogs, Indian food, steak and chips, Italian food, donuts, pizzas, burgers, crepes, and, of course, our local village chippy as well. So there's an awful lot of food. There's an awful lot to drink. Um, and nobody leaves Codsell in want of anything. The, the stalls provide Christmas gifts, all sorts of things. It's whole thing is a wonderful experience. Yeah, whether you're looking for something for you or your family, there are uh, brilliant gifts to, to pick up down there. And many of them small traders as well, which means you're looking at unique items that you won't have been able to get elsewhere. And even just down to the shops in Cotsal, uh, the, the the knitted wool items that are available in the one shop just down by the chip shop. I know that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> you've got, that's right. And you, you, yeah, you're just something different to see. And something handmade for Christmas really does uh, make it special too. It's, it's interesting how many of the stallholders actually do make their goods. They're not just traders. These are people that actually make things, whether it's Christmas decorations or whether it's other festive things. It's incredible to see things like handmade uh, uh, um, reindeer and, and, and all sorts of things. Like It's incredible uh, the number of, of, of crafts that are there. And well, and, and they they sell out. They really do sell out. People love them. They're inexpensive. They're well made. They're entertaining, and and it's 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 just incredible. Just uh, just what a variety of stuff will be there. Yeah, and the proceeds, of course, got to help the small business community within the area and keeping cash in the areas is something we want to do whenever possible. Well, so I'm glad good. you said that because yes, the the whole if there's any cash left, and there isn't a lot, but if there is any cash left, it goes to local charities. It goes to enhance the the uh, Christmas lights. This year, we've made a donation to the ATC kids in order to help them get a get a new minibus. They're a wonderful organisation, the ATC um, kids. From I think they go from eight up to about fourteen, something like that. And very well disciplined, but they haven't had any transport now for about five years. So we've made a donation to them this year to go towards a new minibus for them. And we're very proud to be able to do that. Absolutely. It's all what uh, I uh, is part of the ethos and the community spirit that is part of the, uh, the Christmas fair itself. So uh, is it still time to book in a stall, I take it? You'll have to be incredibly quick. As I said, we've got 52 sold. We could probably make space for 60. If someone does, does want a stall, they can make contact via the website. Yes, there is just about time to do that now. And and the other thing is, whilst, I, whilst I've got you, we also could do with some more marshals. If anybody could spare a couple of hours on the day just to go and help other people set up stalls, guide traffic away from the area and just generally help out that would also be extremely helpful so what's the website and where are the links for us to find right. out more it's it's um cotsellchristmasfair.co.uk there is all the information on the event there is the timing of all the uh, uh attractions there are uh there's a contact point via email there's also phone numbers there for the key people within our little working group if you can help out great if you want to stall great need to be quick 
Okay, get in there, get yourself signed up and be part of a brilliant Christmas fair or be part of it by joining in. Put the date in your diary, the 1st of December. It's a Friday night. It's just, you know, you've you've opened your first door on your advent calendar in the morning. You can get your Christmas shopping done on the evening. It works well. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. Louis Stovin, always good to speak to you. I look forward to seeing you on the night because I'll be down there. On the night, and, indeed. Live broadcast um, on the night. That'd be great. That's the plan. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Throw for now. Lovely, Jason. Thanks very much indeed. All the best. With 90% of working parents saying they like a bit more flexibility in their working life, there's also a lot of pressure and stress that can come to their family homes because of the way in which they're working. To tell us more how we can cope with this, I'm joined now by TV psychologist Honey Lancaster-James. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's nice to see you. Thank you for having me here. Good to talk to you again. It's always good to have a bit of catch up. And, and this time we're seeing that uh, working parents, actually, they want to be able to have the flexibility to be able to enjoy things like the Harvest Festival with their kids when it comes to working and so much more, including you know picking the kids up from school themselves, not having to invest in after school clubs. But finding the job that allows them to do that can be quite difficult. Yes. Well, I think, I mean, being a working parent has always been challenging. Uh, I, I can speak to this from personal experience as well because <laughs> I've raised two children myself and at times even as a lone parent it was it was really difficult to get things in balance and I think this is quite an interesting study uh, that's been done it was done it was commissioned by the Department for Education's Teach in Further Education campaign and what they've done is they've done a wide-scale survey of UK working parents to find out what is it that that matters to them? What are their thoughts about their careers and how they're getting things in balance? Um, and as you say, a large, large, large proportion of UK working parents want to uh, work more flexibly so that they can get the balance a little bit more comfortable because uh, it's very difficult. So one of the things that the survey looked at and drilled down into was what are the top things that working parents are looking for when they're looking for a job? And the number one thing with 70%, that's a huge proportion, 70% uh, of people surveyed said they want work-life balance. And that's what they want. It's it's all about that. Less about in perhaps in past people were ambition. I want travel. I want this, that and the other. People want to put work and life together and get it in more balance. And 43% who were surveyed said that they see uh, one of the important ways of doing this is to have flexible working hours. And I think this has definitely been a shift in the way we work in this country for many people, not for everybody. Obviously, some people are in roles where that's just can't be accommodated. But a lot of people now, I think since the pandemic as well, have kind of said, well, actually, I don't necessarily want to work the traditional hours because that makes it really difficult for me to drop the kids off at school or go to the nativity play or uh, pick them up after school. And so now working parents are saying, look, if I can work my hours around my commitments, that's going to be more comfortable for me. It's going to enable me to keep on top of family life and ultimately probably stay committed and loyal to the workplace as well, because it works both ways. I think if if employers understand that 
accommodating your workforce as people with the lives that they have, the commitments that they have and the other constraints on their time, that's going to increase loyalty, commitment to the company, less likelihood of workplace um, absences because of stress, for example, which we know is, is a problem. And actually it can work. It can be a win-win scenario. And I think a lot of employees now are sort of saying, look, if it is possible for me to work flexible hours come in a bit later maybe then I can avoid the rush hour traffic it takes me less time to get to work I'm less stressed uh you know I can drop my kids off all of those things can make a huge difference to somebody's working life if that's possible in their role and with parents making up such a huge percentage of the workforce, we know that about 75% of moms and 90% of dads are working. Yeah. So you know, this is an important feature in their day-to-day lives. Oh, it's massively important. And uh, I mean, really, it's something that we can't underestimate in terms of the impact on society as a whole as well because of that, that if we can accommodate working parents' lives and take away some of the stresses and strains for some families, make things a little bit more achievable in terms of juggling childcare between partners. Uh, Maybe one of you works during the day, one of you works in the evening or something like that. Uh, I think it's massively beneficial. And of course, this, this survey comes from the campaign that is encouraging people to look into the opportunities that might be available to them in further education, working in further education. Uh, And this is something that that I'm really keen on, because for me, when I was parenting, it definitely helped me for a period of time in my life. When I worked in education, it worked around the school holidays. It gave me flexible hours that fit around the school day, around the kids as well. That really helped. And now with further education being so valuable, what that means is no matter what you do, there is bound to be uh, other people wanting to do what you do. So it's a way of passing on your expertise. So whether you're a hairdresser, an accountant, and an engineer, you work in healthcare, there is likely to be an opportunity to go into further education to teach others what you do. And this, again, is a win-win scenario because you've got people who are actually industry experts. You've been doing this job. You know it from the inside. You've got a lot to pass on and a lot to give, giving it to the next generation coming into your job. And a lot of people think that you have to have Uh, qualifications in teaching but you don't in the vast majority of cases actually because your industry expertise and your industry knowledge is what matters more than anything else and actually you can learn on the job if you want to do a a qualification in teaching or something to upskill then that's fine you know often there's an opportunity to do that so I think this is one particular avenue one particular route if you like that some working parents might want to consider if they do want to work in a way that fits around their family life a bit better uh Mm -hmm. looking into further education opportunities i think is is a great way uh, for everyone really including the family including the Mm -hmm. kids that get to see more of you as well and yes, yeah, so you've got the convenience of it. You've got working during the the normal term times and having that some time off. And I know that teachers will work over the summer. I'm not suggesting for a moment that they just sit there waiting for the six weeks to finish because they do have work they do. But that is something you can do alongside looking after the kids. So it, it is uh, an opportunity to be able to have the sort of work-life balance that you're looking for and still be flexible in that and be able to take the time to go out to you know the, the, the zoo, the theme park or whatever it is you want to do over that break. 
And teaching mm. can be so rewarding, as you know yourself. Yeah, but don't forget as well, what we're talking about here is teaching in further education, which is very different to teaching in a mainstream school environment. Uh, often further education is maybe it might be teaching a night class, you know, mm -hmm. it might be teaching at weekends, because it's often for people who want to get into the line of work that you're in. Uh, it'd be a really good idea to have a chat with your local college and say, if you're interested in this, go in and just say, look, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know, a software engineer. Do you have any need of a, a further education tutor or teacher in this field? Uh, or I'm a hairdresser and I'd like to teach other hair people to get into hairdressing. Mm -hmm. um, it, this is a very different kind of education than just being a traditional school teacher as such. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for that reason, it's also an opportunity to work sometimes, work part-time in further education alongside another job or perhaps even doing your normal day job two or three days a week uh, and then doing a couple of night classes in the evening, teaching the next influx of people into your line of work. So it's a very flexible pathway, I think. And and I, you know, I'm all about as a life coaching and a coaching uh, psychologist, I'm all about helping people to make life work for them and to sort of remove some of the stresses and the pain points of life. And I think when you can find a job that really works alongside your other commitments and the other things that matter to you in your life, so much more can be relieved, if you like. Things can be a lot more easy across the board family conflict reduces, stress reduces. Um, you might even be earning a bit more money doing that things that way. Uh, stress in general is, is alleviated, I think, when things come together and they're in balance. Yeah, and I'm working it that way. And yeah, the likes of the City of Wolverhampton College have got an amazing vocational offering for those who wish to get into work. And it is a, a first-class quality education. And if you're getting that from somebody mm -hmm. who has worked in industry, as you say here, then that's a great way of doing it. Where can you go for more information uh, other than just you know, contacting the college itself? Yeah, I mean, well, you can go down to your local college and ask, but probably the best thing to do is to look at the uh, website. Uh, it's the Teach in Further Education website. Uh, you can get it on gov.uk forward slash teach in further education. And there are dashes in between those words. But if you just search it on a search engine as well, you should find that website. And it's a brilliant uh, resource. There's lots of information on there to find out uh, what might be available, uh, what industry areas they're particularly looking for, mm -hmm. whether you need any kind of qualifications or not. And there's also a lot of personalised support that you can access as well. If this is something you're thinking about pivoting into or, or taking up in addition to what you're doing now as well. Some brilliant opportunities there. It sounds absolutely amazing and good for your health, your body, your mind, if you're doing something that you want to do and helps look after the kids yeah. as well. It's a win-win, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I love a win-win. And I, and I think as well, there's that other side of things that we often, when we've been doing our job for many years, we often forget actually how much we know in this field. We take it for granted. When you start teaching the next generation and you start passing on your knowledge and your expertise in your field, you start to realise, oh, actually, I know quite a lot about this. And you can also <laughs> get quite a sort of psychological boost from that as well, I think. It's really, it, it can be really positive thing to pass on what you know about an industry uh, to those who are just entering it. That sounds like an absolutely brilliant way of making sure that we get the right people doing the right jobs at all times in our workforce. It sounds really good to me. Honey <laughs> Lancaster James, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Ah, oh, pleasure. Thank you for having me.
That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Back with episode 752 next week. I'll see you then. Good for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.